is Coco Creates. And this is Art of the Cartoon. And this is CNC Buhai. We're an Asian American couple who watches a lot of media and we talk about it. Filipinos in the house. Yeah, what? what? So this is episode nine, Never Have I Ever, The Half, Half of, of it. it. So, how are we doing? I'm okay. How about you? I am doing all right considering everything that's going on in the world. We're still in this pandemic situation. Uh, yeah, that's going to go on for uh, quite a while. Yeah, uh, a lot of things that have been going on in media, so we want to talk about things that we did watch to kind of escape all that. That's right, yeah. Well, we watch things for escapism, to feel better about themselves, and to have commentary on the world. So, what have we been watching? What we've been watching mm -hmm. together. Together, Because right. we're together. <laughs> We are, in a yes. really small space. I mean, we we're the only people that really see. Together. I mean, I go to work, but... Yeah, and I also work from home, but together. Together. Time, <laughs> together. All the time that... Yeah, it's almost the end of May. Right. We have been watching some stuff. One being, uh, the series is back on Netflix, Shira. It's the final season of Shira. Yes, I love when cartoons and other series actually have an ending. It's true. This has gone um, from the days when we're like, oh, it just doesn't... The, the cartoon doesn't even come on anymore. What happened to it? Or they just cut it off really short. So this is actually going to have an ending. I love what it represents and the messaging that still is there. Definitely. And so we've been watching Shira. I've been watching the news. I know you haven't. No, I refuse to watch the news. I don't mm -hmm. want to be triggered or traumatized um, even more than I already am. But we did watch one series and one film that we want to talk about. Yes. Especially since this is the tail end of Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yes, it is. I think these are two great um, these are two great media pieces, one series and one movie that's really good to talk about. These two things in particular are mm -hmm. also have female leads, which I love. And I love that you love watching those things with me as well. So, <laughs> let's start off with the half of it. Yes. On Netflix, the sophomore film by director Alice Wu. Yes. For those of you who don't know, Alice Wu, back in the day, 2005, her first feature film, Saving Face, came out. The half of it on Netflix is her second film. So it was, what, like 15 years later? Um, Kudos to Alice Wu, because I think... Even back then, I don't know, did you ever watch her? She's known for Saving Face. Have you have you seen the film? I have not seen Saving Face. I've only heard of it and mostly heard of it from you. And and I've heard the name Alice Wu before. But what really drew me to the film wasn't actually the name recognition of the director. It was just the trailer that dropped, I don't know, maybe like a month or so ago. And it just seemed like a cute, quirky trailer and something that was new and original that I've never seen. So that's why I wanted to watch the half of it. Being a big fan of Alice Wu... I even have the DVD of Saving Face. Back in the day, that film was like a coming-of-age story mm -hmm. about a queer Asian-American woman and her mom. And at that time, we didn't really see anything of that. Like a female lead, Asian-American, and queer, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like really interesting to see that story and Alice Wu being queer herself. You know, it really represented her. So she, I believe, wrote the screenplay for both of these things. So that's also interesting to note. Right. Not only mm -hmm. the director. Mm -hmm. So through time, right... Um, saving Face still, to this day, uh, hits a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So, because she has that fan base and that, in general, I think people would, like me, would automatically, once I see that she directed it, yeah, I'm going to watch. If you were thinking about Asian-American female directors mm -hmm. in independent filmmaking, Alice Wu would probably be on my top five. My expectations with it was that, obviously, it's not going to be the same as Saving Face. For mm -hmm. me, you can't help to, to compare my rating for the half of it 
as I really enjoyed it, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I think I would give three and a half stars out of five. Out of five, right. So let's talk a little bit about the story. Has our main character, Ellie... Who is the proxy of Alice Wu, which you told me, basically. When we were watching the movie, you were telling me that that's basically Alice Wu. Yeah, basically, with mm-hmm. her hair up, though. <laughs> um, and in high school, I and, guess. And, and, and I guess in high school, right. So um, there's a main character, Ellie, who... But she did not grow up in what was... Because this, this was set in a vaguely... In a fictional town of a vaguely Pacific Northwest. And she seemed like she was, like, ostracized or whatever in high school... And she, well, what was endearing about her character with Ellie's character mm-hmm. is that Ellie lived with her dad who right. didn't speak English very well. No. She helped helped him. Like, she would cook dinner for him. It was just pay the bills. Two, pay bills. Right. It would just be the two of them. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of uh, cool to see that representation of uh, a single parent household in, in the way that a teenager is helping and providing for the family. No, and I also like the dynamic that the reason that dad wasn't necessarily like up in the world was because he couldn't speak English that well. If I remember correctly in the story, like he already had a degree, like I think mechanical engineering. He was specifically there to run the trains or like help run that station. And it just went on hard times. And because his English wasn't that well, he couldn't adapt. Which I think that a lot of people can relate to. I think so too, yeah. Where, where, where a lot of folks, when they immigrate to the United States, and let's say, let's say they have a doctorate and they can't like do what they studied in the states and they and they take a lesser job or whatnot yeah, yeah so it was like those small nuances that mm-hmm. were happening in the film that i appreciated but it wasn't like preachy like it wasn't like stamped look at me look at me type of theme in the right mm-hmm. it was just subtle part of her story right let's go on to the another character paul i appreciated paul because i think for the i, I really didn't understand that character for the first maybe half of that movie and I, I still don't understand it. I think you have more insight on Paul but I did appreciate the nuance because when we first met him he was just trying to get the girl which was Aster who is also the um, love interest for Ellie as well which I thought that was a nice twist on, on everything and yeah. Ellie was the one that was writing all the love letters and doing all the texts Ellie, so she's smart. She's trying to make that buck and that hustle. Mm-hmm. She writes papers for people at school and Paul comes along uh, and tries to ask her to write a love letter yeah. to Aster because Paul has a crush on Aster. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is that Paul is, at first, you think that he's like the chuck because he's on the football team. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get, get, get from Ellie and hunting her down to write this love letter. But as time progressed, Paul really surprised me in that his character evolved in a very beautiful way that was mm-hmm. like untraditional when you think of a coming of age story it, this is true and i like how they, they avoided i mean in, in the hands of a lesser i think creator those two would have gotten together somehow and then it wasn't it wouldn't be like you know it wouldn't be the same story typically right in a coming of age story or even like a rom-com if ellie's the main character and paul's the friend wouldn't you think that eventually but paul likes aster and that's like a love triangle right so you know that like Two of them out of the three are going to be together. I like how um, Alice Wu played around with those dynamics. Too. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think it was done very well. Mm-hmm. Not saying that there weren't any things that maybe that could have been better in the film. Like, I was still confused because like at the end, what happened with Paul? I mean, yeah, he was a really good friend with Ellie. But then... Well, it didn't end up being like, can't buy me love, right? Like, no, of course not. Be they like, didn't, they didn't, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't. Spoiler alert. They all evolved in their own and... 
to love themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think for Paul, what was great is that, you know, like when you go through life and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm on a mission. Like, you know, especially in high school, you're like, oh, I'm crushing on somebody. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, the person, like, something else happened. I'm turned to this other direction. And then I end up embracing that in a whole different level, not in terms of, like, romantic love, but friend love. Yeah. So as time goes on, as Ellie and, and Paul are trying to get Aster's attention so mm-hmm. that he can get a date with her, yeah. it comes come to find that Paul was just trying to find a friend. Right. And Ellie also, but it was a lot of nudging, right? Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting dynamic of that, of a push and pull, still using those tropes of a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. So it was layered in that and that's why i think i appreciated that and then also like little nuances too of him like paul befriending the dad as well you know what i mean like it wasn't it was a lot more yeah complicated I, I appreciate that and and not so one note mm-hmm. so that was surprising to see because at first i'm gonna be real right mm-hmm. being asian american i see ellie in the in in the beginning then paul i'm like we all know that what this is gonna go through this is gonna happen i was having flashbacks of people trying to cheat off me in high school you know what i mean yeah you know especially because you're asian and you're like what model minor already with right but then like he surprised me being this white dude that like eventually really became friends with her and yeah that's why it was so endearing with that Mm -hmm. and then Aster so interesting too like she wasn't like the typical again talking about tropes she wasn't the typical popular girl she was very intelligent loved to read books like you it's usually like one-sided like you're either the nerd or you're like mean girls right like you're super popular no yeah but she was super popular and working class and super smart and was on the same intellectual level as Ellie. They gravitated towards each other because it's like, hey, if you're in a small town mm-hmm. and you're like, yo, something that is challenging me, like, how can you not feel intrigued and feel that you want more? Like, right. you're craving mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like on that intimate level of in- intellectual, like, stimulation. Like, they were both stimulated and fascinated with each other. But in the end, we were thinking maybe they would hook up. Right. But they didn't. I'm kind of glad that nobody hooked up with anybody. Most of the time in movies, they have them all all together, rah, 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 at a party at the end in the same town. Right. But it was like, nah, it was like some of them left, Ellie left, Aster was there, Paul, they're doing their own thing, and that's okay. Like, that right. sense of not codependency, but like, you know, they both are supporting each other's way of like them growing up. Right, mm-hmm. There were some things where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like that one scene in the church was kind of like, I'm yeah, so it confused. started to fall apart there. Yeah, I, think. I feel like near the tail end it could have been a little bit stronger, but like the essence was, was a still little ridiculous. There. The church scene at the end. Every time there was like a high school film, the the trend of hiring actors and actresses who were in their late twenties or whatnot. Well, I think that's always going to happen. I know because probably child labor laws, but like, <laughs> but I was like, Aster, how old is she? She looks a lot older. But anywho, kudos to Alice Wu. Three yes. and a half stars out of five. Right. Adding to the list of authentic queer Asian American movies. If you haven't checked it out, please do. Let's go on to what we also were watching. This is something that I actually watched twice. Yes. Our next thing that we watched was Never Have I Ever. And this was a series that you were watching. And I was like, oh, what are you watching? Because you were laughing hysterically in bed for the first episode oh i was i didn't even know i think so and then i went to work and then i came home and you were basically done with the series oh that happened i don't even remember you watched it in like a day Dude, because it was you binge watched it funny you, uh-huh. if you never i don't know i don't know maybe i resonated with a lot so here's of the, the timeline you were reading an article about it about mindy kaling <laughs> okay. okay then you watched an episode in bed the night that that late night I went to sleep. The next morning, I went to work, and you're like, I'm going to watch a couple more episodes. I come home, and you're done with the series. You know what? 
That was your own observation yeah. that mm-hmm. I didn't even recall. I was just in the moment. Oh, you're in the zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I mean, hey, man, like I love the I love the humor. And you loved uh, it so much that you're like, you know what? You should watch. You should watch <laughs> the half of it. Maybe you should just just watch one episode. I'll watch it with you. That's the what, half of it. Not the half, but never have I ever. See. Ah, see. Yeah. So, cause you're my half. so never have i ever right yeah Mm. so i asked you to watch it again because i was like yo dude like if you don't find this funny then why are we together just kidding (laughs) i'm just kidding was was it a test (laughs) no i'm just kidding so 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 the never have i ever was actually the test no and i get did i pass because i I started watching it and it was entertaining i i didn't binge it i i went a couple of episodes here and there every couple days I thought you would have liked it. That's why. So and I did enjoy it very much. And also because I felt like it was so new and refreshing, and mm-hmm. and a lot of the characters were just so reminiscent of people that you know in real life. Facts, yes. dude. So what is Never Have I Ever about? It's a series. It, it's a series. So think about like a tween coming of age series. It's hard to to pin down the tone, but I would say it's between like Disney Channel and Freeform. But I mean, it's it's so much more than that. But the the big thing is it has. The main character, which is South Asian, and it's a South Asian family, and it's their experiences, which you've never seen in a tween uh, coming-of-age series like this. Based on writing by Mindy Kaling, yes. right? Uh, this Never Have I Ever was interesting because it was like typical high school, right? Yes. But it was done in a manner that it wasn't so sitcom-y, mm-hmm. the humor, but it wasn't so dramatic like a Dawson's Creek, right? So No, no, definitely like, wasn't Dawson's so, Creek. Um, so, like, I don't know. It was, like, in between that. Tween that. <laughs> yes, tween. So it, so it was about uh, the main person, the main character is Davy. Mm-hmm. She is, like, I believe, a sophomore in high school. And right. I think with the family dynamic part of showing, like, a, mo- a single mother because her father passed away... And then, like oh, that circumstances dynamic, of that too is crazy. That's I mean, you know, they had they needed to have some conflict playing with mental health themes of mental health themes yes, of like definitely. um unconventional families. But like in a lot of immigrant families, this is normal, right? Maybe just the mom, or maybe you have like other relatives that live with you. You know what so I appreciated too? I appreciated that Davy had a therapist. Even the mom went. Even though she didn't like it. The funny thing was the mom was like, I don't really go to therapists. Yes, yeah. white people. That <laughs> the family dynamics was great because just to see the push and pull between Davy, the main character, and her mm-hmm. mom was like beautiful to watch because it's like, sometimes you like me, sometimes you're not. And even like the mom acting, sometimes like the things that she said reminded me of my own mom. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that. And I could see why you related because of the, the dynamic of like, you know, single mom raising... Yeah, the I daughter, think that's, that's even right. more so because I grew up with a single mom and then my mom being like not really showing love in the traditional sense, but like nagging you or being negative is yes. the way that they show love. So the same thing. I think maybe that's why I even liked it even more. I, I could see that. Yeah, and I then, think so. Um, and then the character, I don't know the name of the actress, but whoever played Davy, who's I think this was one of her first role, was like, this was a great role for her. They casted this character phenomenally mm-hmm. midi killing had was very intentional that she wanted the main character to actually be high school age so exactly so the actress is actually 18 mm. not so sure about i mean i think uh 
she made the intention that she wanted to skew a little bit younger yeah. in high school That's because it only makes sense. Like, it would be so odd. It's like not clueless. Like, 25, 29. No, no. Months. And then said it, right. she's a sophomore. So she was, she's just starting, like, just starting high school. Yeah. And it was authentic. Even like some of her body language movements. And you can tell. Know? And yeah. the way she played an awkward teen was mm-hmm. really great. And awkward yet confident. It yeah. was definitely complicated where, you know, she makes mistakes. She's like the smartest one she's in the class. She's trying to hook up right? boys. Yeah. She's trying to hook up with boys. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't just be the nerd, right? Like, yeah. you can be crushing on somebody. You can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can still be confident. You could be a nerd and be outspoken. Yeah. You can be Asian and not quiet. You can be Asian and exactly. be yeah. in theater. Mm-hmm. You can be Latinx and be in robotics. Like, I love that. I loved it. Yes. I loved it for all those different reasons and the friend dynamic and everything. I just loved it. <laughs> Let's go. I, I think me and you, we both have a favorite episode. So, our favorite episode was episode four Never Have I Ever felt super indian that episode just reminiscent of every family party you've ever gone to with all the aunties any cul- any cultural event yeah, that you've any been a part cultural of cultural event you know the ones who were at quote-unquote americanized and mm-hmm. those who were like so proud to be their ethnicity etc mm-hmm. so all those different types of folks in there so on point <laughs> yeah, shout out to all the PCNs, all the Pistahans, all the Pistasanayons. Yeah. I mean, that episode was reminiscent of just like being in like a cultural event like that, seeing all the aunties dressed up in their fair, getting all the chismis and the yeah, rumors. Yeah, the chismis and the rumors of the aunties trying to know your business all the time. And the kids like just want, like there's kids that are super into it. Kids are like wondering like why... Do I need to care about this cultural stuff? They love and hate it. And then yeah. those who were like super internalized. Yeah. Yeah. So that episode was phenomenal. And also too, it wasn't like like a slumdog millionaire where everything was just like super polished. It were like, this event is at school. That's real. I know, right? It was at a school. Yeah. So that was our favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Who's our MVP of the series? Uh, obviously the MVP is going to be Davy because mm-hmm. she's the main character. So we're going for this particular MVP, we're going to exclude her. Uh, so who would your MVP? I have mine. Who do you, who's yours? Might be the same one. Hands down the mom. It's got to be the mom, right? It's the mom. Yeah, like, I've never seen you laugh so hard when the mom did this one thing. What did I laugh? I I don't even remember this. Like, she was nagging Davy in Uh her room, and then she, like, looked at her as she walked away. (laughs) That's right. See? And you were (laughs) laughing so hard because you're like, okay, she went there. But it was, like, comedic action. It's the mom look, and you're like, ooh, she in trouble. You know, like, when Filipino families, when your mom does the lips, and she's like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so mad at you, and goes... You know, whatever. (laughs) You know? So it was like kind of like that. So that was cool. They overall love each other, Mm -hmm. the family. It's just that, as I said, the push and pull of the power dynamics and like the insecurities of each of them and how they project to each other and how they think that each other's needs are being met when they're not. Like, no, I mean, yeah. Just reminiscent of my own life. (laughs) No, because I, yeah, definitely. Just because it wasn't all lovey dovey. There were definitely parts where Davey clashed with her mom. And that's normal, right? Never really talk about really, that really stuff. bad too. Like in other films, right? They usually or shows they always show like whether too overproductive and there for them, or it's like you know you're at war with mm. your child as yeah. the parent. This was like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like there's a scene when they're like doing a t- is it a TikTok or Snapchat or yeah whatever? TikTok that's right yeah and they're, they're doing, doing a little dance. Th- and then, this was before TikTok was popular I yeah, think. And yeah and then they're doing a little dance with her friend. Davy's doing a little dance with her friends. Her mom just like comes out and just like what are you doing? Put some actual clothes on. So it was like and this so is all funny. done without dialogue because you just hear the music the the music that they're doing for their TikTok video the yeah, whole time. Yeah and then Davy's like man 
and I was like, man, that's like my mom. All, so all body language on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Who wins the award? Mm-hmm. Here we go. For randomness, the random cameo award goes to John McEnroe. Who, if somebody pitched me this series, I would have never thought. You know who the narrator should be? John McEnroe. For an Asian American, South, South Asian American, American teen, tween. Fem- tween female lead series, and you have John McEnroe narrating it like it was him being Kevin Arnold in the Wonder Years. Basically, they Wonder Years <laughs> it, but with John McEnroe. I don't know what the intention. I think it was just like comedy. I thought it was fine in that it was a different direction, and if you're trying to keep us on our toes, then John McEnroe is the way to go, because I would have never suspected that would be the, the narrator of this series. See, now that I'm thinking out loud, though, yeah, John McEnroe, not a lot of people younger than us are going to know who he Hit is. Hit us up if you know who so John McEnroe is. freaking more random, then. Hit us up if you but know maybe, who Dorn Borg is. Maybe Mindy Kaling wanted him for some particular reason because it was just funny. Like, I don't know. It could maybe be. Maybe it's it an inside like joke. Inside joke, where's Waldo situation. Mm-hmm. But he was on it. Random award goes to John McEnroe. Hey, make that Look money. Make that money, John McEnroe. You just got to do some voiceovers and I then know. make have one cameo scene. Him being there is random because it's like this random... He's a white dude, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of interesting cameos characters you know it is very inclusive uh this series which i appreciate as well right they have not uh, announced a season two yet but let's do a hypothetical so if they did let's say tomorrow they announced that never have i ever is going to get a season two what would you like to see from that season two i have many thoughts okay go ahead i have many many many, many thoughts. thoughts okay many thoughts okay so Davy, she's like in this love triangle thing situation. She last time we checked, spoiler alert, she ended oh, up kissing everything. Ben, and then Paxson, and then Paxson Hall Yoshida also likes her too. Maybe in series two, Paxson's gonna feel a certain way, or Davy might feel a certain way in which maybe she doesn't feel anything for him. I don't know. It would be very even more interesting if Davy has this ping pong effect of mm-hmm. Ben. And Paxton, which could be interesting. Interesting. And okay. then in terms of her friends, again, like during these the series, there was a lot of up and down, you know, about being friends, not being friends, etc. Their characters are going to be bumped up a little bit better. And then the mom, I would love to see how she, maybe she evolves as well too, as Davy is growing up without her dad. Pretty good. Uh, what I would like to see is, also it's along the same lines of our resident 30-year-old Paxton, is to learn more about his sister. I thought his sister was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. His sister was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like maybe she becomes more of a, a character too because she is friends with Davy as well. Yes. Again, like super diverse. Hopefully, never have I ever will not be never no more. Hope, so I hope. Hope, so hopefully, I hope not. Never have I ever series two. But it's hard to say because with things going on, who knows if where production is at this point and True. even filmmaking. We get what we get and, you know, we watch what we watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there we go. So never have I ever Mm -hmm. the half of it. I don't know what's next, what we're going to be watching, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) We'll always find something. Well, I think that's going to be our show for today. Do you have any um, closing thoughts before we uh, head out? Yeah. If you haven't checked it out, give it a try. Never have I ever. And the half of it. Stay home. Stay safe. Mm -hmm. And look out for each other.